Hello and welcome to a special edition of The Right Idea, where we discuss the people, policy, and politics that drive Texas. I'm your host, Brian Phillips. I'm the Chief Communications Officer at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, and I'm just flying solo because it is a special edition. As we know, the special session is taking place in Austin right now, and the focus of that special session is school choice, specifically the creation of, of uh, educational savings accounts. And so we're going to be talking with folks who are coming into town, who are going to be advocating for, for those things, for more parental choice. And so we're going to be highlighting some of the stories of, of individuals who are here, uh, you know, so we understand exactly why it is that they support school choice. We'll be talking to folks who work at schools, folks who are parents, and folks who are just advocates of, of more freedom and more parental empowerment. And so uh, our first guest uh, on the show is, is, I'd like to introduce Brenda Howard from Belton. Thank you. Uh, Brenda, you have an interesting story. So um, you're actually not from Texas originally, but you're here now. That's correct. Uh, I came from Arizona and we moved here. Um, Arizona, they seem to be in the news a little bit about school choice. <laughs> they are. They are. They are number one in uh, U.S. News and World Report mm-hmm. for having the top 100 high, in the top 100 high schools. Excellent. And they got there because... They, 30 years ago, started implementing school choice. Now they have universal school choice, and it worked for my son in Arizona. So when I got to Texas and parents were saying, oh, I need choices, my poor child has this issue or mm-hmm, this issue, right. I said, oh, no, 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 just go pick the school that fits your child. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't work that way here. <laughs> no, no, apparently it doesn't. And so I decided I should get involved. Well, well, thank you for doing that. I, d- I don't want to lose that for a second because you have firsthand experience of of imp- the implementation and then the gradual progress and growth of school choice in a place like Arizona. And of course, one of the things that they always say is it will destroy or defund the public education system. Are you here to say that, in fact, the public education system has not been destroyed in Arizona? Absolutely. One hundred percent. The public school system in Arizona is actually better. It has improved mm-hmm. and they are in the top 100. They, are, they have the top schools in in our nation. Now, now, how does it work? I mean, I, I think a lot of us, um, you know, there, I mean, there's 32 states have some sort of school choice program. So, uh, again, that's a majority of the country. But I still think that, in, especially in states where uh, where we don't have school choice, it's still kind of a fuzzy concept of how it works. And so, you know, in August, are you going through spreadsheets and looking for the number one schools, or like, like how does it work as a parent whenever you get whenever you get this new empowerment? How does it work whenever you start to decide which school? Your, you want your children to go to? So this is a, a, a sad mom moment. I was not <laughs> a perfect mom. And we were in Arizona and we moved there because of the military. And we got to a school and the, the cool school in our zip code was already filled, oh, which okay. happens. Okay, sure. And so we went to the other school that was less than ideal. And it had some gangs. And when I signed up my son, there was graffiti. And mm-hmm. I knew this was going to be a challenge for mm-hmm. him. He was in school for a week and he said, please, please, please get me out of here. And that's all I heard. And I said, you have been to the best and the worst schools in our entire nation as an army brat. Mm -hmm. So suck it up. Mm. I was a sergeant in the army. You'll be fine. Mm -hmm. He himself figured out they had school choice. He made an appointment with a principal. Wow. He came to me and said, I made it at a time when you are not working. (laughs) And guess what? I can graduate as a junior. 
It sounds like you were an amazing parent to, to, to put those kinds of principles and values on them, that that, that kind of initiative. That well, came from Well, I haven't looked at it from that, that perspective. <laughs> I appreciate that you've said that. Uh, from And in that moment, though, I was tearful because mm-hmm. I realized that I had not been listening to my son and that he did have to do all that on his own. So sure. he did. I said, absolutely. Well, obviously, I mean, uh, but but the point is, is neither you know not only empowering parents, but now empowering students, literally. Correct, to look for because their own you schools. can have a student advocate for themselves mm-hmm. in the, if you have school choice. So we did go to that school. We did talk to the principal, and I said, "How can he graduate as a junior?" He said, "Well, he does need Arizona history, mm-hmm. and so have to go for an extra hour a day." So I looked at my son. You have to go for. You know, yeah. an extra hour a day. He said, "Done." That's amazing. And I so, just need to be out of that school. And so the and when public. When as easy as that, you just go talk to someone. You apply correct. for and all of that. Wow. Correct. Wow. Okay. All right. It's very uh, Arizona's been at this for thirty years, mm-hmm. and so it's a very easy process. Great. And ironically, they only had they had less than one percent of uh, students that actually opted for school choice back mm-hmm. in the beginning. And even at its height right now, Arizona is still, it's a 6% of students that opt in for school choice. Okay. Uh, so in Texas, everyone's trembling and the right. public school lobbyists are having little heart attacks. Right. And they think, oh no, there'll be this mass exodus. Well, that says more about them and their opinion of the right. public school system. Right. Most parents do choose the public school. So we do support the public school. So even after all these years, you still have 94% of kids that are going to the to public schools. That's and there's correct. a couple reasons for that. One is because obviously there's not this mass exodus from the from the public schools. But two, the public schools start to make changes. And we'll talk to, to a little bit about that. That's why we brought you here because I want to tell that story. Um, well, that's great. Well, that's great. I think for a lot of parents, because it's new and because it sort of seems procedural, and um, and bureaucratic. I think a lot of times, you know, parents can get scared off and say, "Well, you know, that's not something I, you know, have time for or whatever." But it's good to hear that, you know, in the places where they've been doing it for decades, they've got the process down, and they do. And Texas can import that. Um, well, that's great. So I do want to get to your story. So the the story, the most recent story. Um, take us through um, uh, TASB, which is the uh, Texas Association for School Boards, had a re- had a conference, or at least was promoting a conference. Uh, and did you go to this conference? I did not. Okay. TASB had a conference, and they have it every year. Okay. And they discuss their legislative priorities. They talk, and they have training sessions. Mm-hmm. And then those slides are pres- they're posted, and right. people can go and, and see what the slides were. Okay, so you're here now. You're here in Texas. You're following along with all this. You notice that TASB has this conference, and you start looking at some of the slides and kind of what they're telling their school boards that ultimately are going to have to be dealing with potentially school choice legislation. Correct. And so one of the breakout sessions was how to handle the school choice environment, (laughs) how to have your leaders compete, Mm -hmm. Mm. Okay. provide customer service, Wow. have your customer choose your school. So they had a breakout session for that. And then as a follow-up, Belton ISD is the ISD that I follow Mm -hmm. and the reason I'd gotten interested in education. Mm -hmm. And Belton ISD had a special session meeting in which briefing all of their school board trustees. And the first thing they said was, we will be changing our model to a customer service model from the top down to the bottom person, every single person in between will now operate in a customer service model. And I just smiled because here's improvement 
just at the threat of school choice. Right. Wait till we get it. Right. And so the the idea here is just even talking about school choice and giving empowerment right. to the parents themselves, you now have the schools who are already reacting and saying, we, we, we need to be more responsive to parents' needs. And that's Correct. one of the things that we have argued this entire time. And this is why we have talked about parent empowerment is because what we've found that parents really want is they want transparency. Right. They want to know that the curriculum is... A, of a, of a quality that will you know that will uh, prepare their children to go to college or to start a career Correct. and if there's things they don't like about the curriculum there needs to be um, an opportunity for them to to get involved and be treated with respect about Absolutely. having those issues and we've always said if a school is providing those three things then there's not really any reason for school choice. They don't need to necessarily have the power, but without that power, without the ability to move their child to the next school, none of those other three things happen. And so what you're saying is you're you're validating this, at least this email and this conference and this breakout session, I guess, validates the fact that they will become more responsive as a result of school choice. Is that right? It's already happening. We're seeing it. It's incremental. It's small little chunks. And once school choice passes, it'll have to go full force. Mm -hmm. And uh, competition is just great. (laughs) Uh, That's what I saw in Arizona. Uh, they had to improve their schools. And yeah. just so you know, and for information, the school in Arizona that my son went to that was a failing school mm-hmm. has improved. Excellent. I went back to check. I wanted to see what the scoop was there. And uh, no, so it's a, it's a success story. And Texas is so afraid. And I, and I know change is scary. And I know change is different. And so I understand that and I empathize with that. But it will improve the schools in Texas. Texas needs, we're number one in economy. We're number <laughs> one in so many areas. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we number one in, in schools? Well, and that's that's the thing that the governor is focused on the most is that Which, we expect to be number one. We've got schools improving and states improving all across some that compete directly with Texas, places like Florida. Correct. As we know, their low-income uh, students are now number one in the country. Um, and so that's something that, you know, is is something that we should take as a, you know, as a goal, as a, as a point of pride. To, to try and get to, um, so what you're what I'm hearing from you is that it does it doesn't just work in theory; it actually works in practice, in real life, um, which is <laughs> right. something I think that the left oftentimes that their theories work so well in their heads, and then they don't work no, in practice. That's right. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. Thank you for sharing your story. Uh, we're going to try and, uh, and 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 meet with a lot more folks on this. A lot of people come bring a different perspective from from different sides, not just the policy wonks that that talk on and listen to this show. Uh, so, Brenda, thank you so much uh, for being with us. Absolutely. Can I just give a shout out to Governor Abbott? He has been a hero on this issue for parents and he has stood strong and we really, really appreciate that. Absolutely. This is, uh, you know, we're, we're, he's in this fight for the long haul. He said session after session after session, we're going to keep fighting on this and we will because this isn't just, you know, this isn't some, you know, even property tax or some, you know, some budget issue or something. This is about the future of our state. This is about our kids. And so it's not hard to conceive that if we don't get it done this round, that parents are going to keep coming back again and again and again. And so he's, (laughs) he has uh, galvanized that support. and and, and is using it to move forward. So again, Brenda, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. All right. And like I said, we're going to talk with uh, more leaders and uh, school choice um, uh, folks. uh, So stay with us and we'll be right back. 
Welcome to the Sweet Tea Series, a talk show style podcast. I'm Taylor Dawson, joined by Ariana Silva. We are the creatives here at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Our guests are everyday women who decided they wanted to be the change they wanted to see, and they're now leaders in our community. We'll talk all things policy, pop culture, and more through a conservative lens. And we hope you feel ignited by their stories to step outside of your comfort zone too. So if you love girl talk or you're just curious about the world of policy, subscribe to the Sweet Tea Series wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, welcome back to The Right Idea. And of course, we are talking to a number of people who are voices around Texas and folks who have different opinions and letting their voice known about uh, school choice and about the importance of, of this legislation that's going through the special session right now. And our next guest is Richard Vega from Houston. Thank you for, for being here with us. Oh, thank you. Um, I want to get into your story. I'll, I'll give a little bit of intro, by the way, that you're a pastor in a, in a local church down there in, in the Houston area, uh, Pasadena area. Um, and so I'll I'll, I'll give. I'll let you kind of tell the folks kind of what's going on in, in your community and kind of why you decided to come up here and 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 let your voice known to your to your members about uh, what you think about school choice. I think the school choice is very much needed uh, in in all communities, mm-hmm. um, but in my personal life and my personal community, it's very much needed. We are predominantly a low income community. Mm-hmm. Um, this really benefits uh, a lot of the minority kids. Um, I'll just say that straight out. Uh, my my community is predominantly Latino and, and, uh, and African American. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a small population of Asian American, um, but I'll tell you, our schools uh, within the vicinity have really suffered a lot because of how our community is. Mm-hmm. A lot of the parents really would like to be able to send their kids to better schools and better education, mm-hmm. um, and they just don't have the means of the resources there. And now your church um, you're, that you're a pastor at, they do have two schools. They have a private right. school and a charter school. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so our, our church, we have one at where I'm at. It's called CT uh, Houston, mm-hmm. and then we have one called CT Pasadena. Um, CT Houston is our largest campus out of all our CT nations. And we have uh, a charter school and a private school, like you said. Mm -hmm. We have currently 750 students enrolled in our charter school and uh, almost 50 students there at our private school. Mm -hmm. At our Pasadena location, we have 350 students enrolled at our charter school. And your children, do they go to the private schools? So they did in the past, and they are currently back into public schools. Okay. And um, just like had the experience that they need to have, and then they're back in the public schools? Yeah. So my son, uh, you know, he just, just a small experience off of that he uh, he was bullied mm. and um, so we made the decision to pull him out and place him into private school right um, not every parent has that option right uh, but I was blessed enough to have that option and put him into our private school there at the church um, after that, after a couple of years, we decided to go ahead and place him back into public school. Uh, our public school, where we're at, has the early uh, early kid, early college program. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, so my older kids will graduate with an associate's degree through the public school system. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the the private schools. And so you you have about 750 enrolled in, or no, sorry, that was the charter school. About 750 enrolled in that. About 350, uh, and the private schools. Is this you know what we're hearing from folks? Is well, you know, for the people who already send their kids to private schools this would just be a subsidy for a bunch of wealthy parents sending their kids to private schools tell me a little bit about the 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 families and the parents and the kids that go to these schools 
Yeah, so in our community, um, if people understand it, it's, it's predominantly Title One all the way around. I'm talking about like 99. percent mm-hmm. right? um, and, and this is for people who don't know. Although we have a lot of you know really smart nerds that listen to our show and, and policy guys, uh, Title One is for like the free lunch programs and things like that. So folks who are definitely you know in the lower income brackets. Correct, and extra funding on the education, as far as tutorials and things like that. Right. So, right, okay. um, you know, our community is is uh, it's just one of those tougher communities um, with lower lower um, you know economic status mm-hmm. and uh, they struggle more yeah. and so th- this type of school choice what, what's offered through the ESA mm-hmm. benefits our community directly because these are parents I mean these are parents who are making tremendous sacrifices to afford the tuition because there are you, you see are there like scholarship programs or like how do parents make ends meet you know sending their kid to a private school yeah so just looking at our church right so we have the private school and the charter school our charter school numbers are really high versus our private school numbers are very low. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it costs a lot more to do the private school. Mm -hmm. And our community cannot really afford it. Now, do we have scholarship programs? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, Do we have a lot of them? No. The Mm -hmm. reality is we don't. Um, But we try. Uh, But at the end of the day, um, this right here benefits our kids, our community, a hundred percent. So, and the and the ESA that's in front of the um, you know that the Senate just voted on the other day would have up to eight thousand um, dollars. Would that cover the cost of folks to go to to your private school? Yes. Hundred percent. And so, would you be able to handle the influx of folks who probably would be standing outside the door? Hundred <laughs> percent. We we are we are already positioning ourselves um, in in being able to handle it. Um, you know, there's a lot of lot of retired teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of other teachers that are really excited if yeah. if we're able to move forward and be able to do something. And like this that. and this really hits because because you live in a and because it, this is uh, targeted at a low income um, uh, community. One of the criticisms, again, here is that, well, what about the kids who are left behind? What about the kids who are in those public schools? What do you think? I mean, you obviously, you know, would care about those kids as well. What do you think happens to those schools and and to those individuals, maybe some who don't, you know, or aren't able to uh, use the ESA to get into a private school? So here's what I would tell everybody. You know, it empowers the parents. And what do we mean by that? We're turning back the monies to the parents and choosing where their their children can go. So it puts pressure on those other schools to be able to start performing and Mm -hmm. start instead of pushing people through. I was one of those kids that got pushed through. So just just a small snippet in my life, um, I was placed into an ESL class, which is English as a second language, and Mm -hmm. I don't even speak Spanish. Uh, But I am Latino, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I did have some learning disabilities. When I graduated high school and went to United States Army, when I took a reading comprehension exam, I scored a four grade reading level mm-hmm. um, my sergeant thought I was playing games sent me back and he re- and I, I scored the same mm-hmm. uh, that's the reality of it did that stop me no I got a college degree I pushed mm-hmm. myself but mm-hmm. I get it not everybody is like me mm-hmm. um, but I, I really believe that you know it's gonna it's gonna force all education levels from charter private to public schools to really start performing at higher levels mm-hmm. um, where no kids are left behind and and, and you know really require and put the pressure on schools to start being more responsive to the parents that are in those schools, right? Absolutely. I think it'll it'll start allowing the education system to start paying attention. Mm-hmm. It, you know, you look at HISD just got taken over by the state of Texas. 
they had 2,300 administrators that got removed, right? If you think about that, you would think that because the top has been removed that you know, all craziness would happen in the schools. But the reality of it, it didn't. School opened up. Kids are learning. Mm-hmm. So what does that say? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and if we get in there and we start really pushing this higher education, um, and I'm not talking about college higher education. I'm just talking about higher education performing on at, at least grade level let's just start there right if we can just get kids to grade level Mm -hmm. um we could really start thriving in the state of texas um so just in general what do you you think this would mean you know for the the community for um uh for for the kids there um you know uh, applying to the 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 private school is sometimes seen as well that's too daunting for me or that's not something i don't want to go through a bunch of spreadsheets and and uh you know have to evaluate that every year i mean do you think parents would be able to take that on? I, I do. I think, though, um, you know, in our community, they would have to be walked through a mm-hmm. whole lot of this, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the patience and the resources and the capabilities of making sure that mm-hmm. um, they, they know exactly what's going on, how to do it. I mean, if we look at the charter schools, and charter schools are great as well, but let's say we're able to hold, you know, 300, 400 kids in our private school yeah. um, and really start um, honing in on different, on because we get to pick the curriculum at that point, right? right? Right, And if we choose a higher curriculum with really great teachers, um, then we are really shaping and transforming minds mm-hmm. to really thrive in our community. Uh, and this affects my community directly. Mm-hmm. You know? So, and, and and the last question I have uh, is thank you so much for being here. Again, we're talking with Richard Vega from, from Houston. And um, a, a pastor uh, down there has got kids in the system and really cares about these issues. But you're taking your time, you know, and effort and money and treasure and coming up here to to our, to, to make your case for these issues. This is as close as Texas has ever been in 30 years uh, to actually passing anything, re- you know, remotely close to school choice. But if it doesn't get done this session, do you think you'll be back up here? And, you know, the governor said, you know, the thing is the clock never runs out. You know, when you're the governor, I can keep calling quarter after quarter using his sports analysis. Um, will you will you be back up here? I mean, is this is this different because we're not you know we're not talking about um, you know uh, just normal legislative issues like budget and taxes and stuff. Does it mean something different for you uh, that we're talking about the future of Texas and our kids? I will be definitely be back up here. So just <laughs> just this trip alone, I brought fifty people with me. So Do you want to point I'm, at the I'm camera and tell your member, you yeah. know, hey, I'll be right back. I, I will definitely be here. I'm not going away. <laughs> I brought fifty people with me. Next time, I'll bring a hundred. I am serious about this bill, and uh, you know, I, I want to meet with uh, other legislators within my community and let mm-hmm. them know we're serious. Y- you know. Um, some of them are kind of on the fence, but here's what I'll tell you. We have 800 families that come on our property every single day that have school choice. We want this. Mm-hmm. This shouldn't even be. I don't even know why we're arguing this. This should be for every Texan in this state. Thank you. That's that's fantastic. It's great to hear uh, the passion for this and such, um, you know, some unwavering support and motivation to get this done. Richard, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for taking this time here to be on our program and sharing your message. Um, thank you for doing this. And we'll be right back with our next guest. The Hard Country is a rough Spanish translation for the Trans-Pecos region known as the Despoblado. I'm Joshua Trevino with the Texas Public Policy Foundation, joined by my colleague, Melissa Ford Maldonado. On the Hard Country podcast, we discuss present-day Mexican-American relations with a nod to the two countries' rich histories. We cover everything from Mexican politics to the border to the cartels and more. Tap our logo to subscribe wherever you watch or listen to podcasts.
And welcome back to The Right Idea, where we're discussing the new special session and the creation of education savings accounts. And we're having folks come in and tell their stories from all different parts of Texas as to why they're here and why they're having their voice known and meeting with their members and all of that. And of course, our next guest is Pastor Jerry Davis from Kingwood. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you to the Texas Public Policy Foundation. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, without you guys telling your stories, we would really have nothing to talk about. So, yeah. um, so let's get into that. I want to talk about your story because you do run a school uh, down there in the in the Kingwood area. Yes. Um, but it's not that you you know you didn't just do this out of nowhere. That, that you do have some experience um, in your family with with education. So take us a little bit uh, into kind of kind of why you decided to start your own school and then and kind of you know how all of that formed. Most pastors are reluctant to start schools because they're such a costly burden. They're mm. not they're not something that creates income uh, that you can do other ministry with. or something that you have to be dedicated and called to God to be able to see this as an extension of your children's ministry, and we're going to do it at cost. Well, like most pastors, we just didn't have the funds uh, mm -hmm. to do that. But then my daughters, who I raised, uh, who went to private Christian school, then became public school teachers wow. themselves. Okay. And after years of teaching in the public schools, they started having children. When they started having children, who are my grandchildren, they came to me, Pastor, Dad, please, we have got to start a private Christian school, we don't want to put our children in the schools that we've been teaching mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. And that's not because we don't love the public schools. We do. And we minister in public schools, and, and they, they saw it as a ministry mm -hmm. themselves. Yeah. But for their own children, they wanted discipleship for their children. They mm -hmm. wanted their kids to be raised without the peer pressure and without the uh, moral failures of the public schools. So I was going to get into that, because obviously they don't, you know, they, they're coming at it from a different angle. It's not that they would say, well, I'm a terrible teacher, no, you know, or no. that we have terrible teachers is a little bit of a different angle about why parents would choose a school more like yours um, yes. and, and what would be some of those reasons well m my daughters as teachers were literally being threatened oh, and wow. there were times where the schools would take the sides of the uh, students that there were literally gangs in this school and so it, it was uh, it, they saw they got to taste and see what it was like and even mm -hmm. that some of the uh, some of the teachers unions wouldn't back them and and when it came to mm -hmm. especially anything that had to do with faith and so um, they determined that uh, that was the number one importance as proverbs 22 says uh, that we're to train a, a child in the way he should go when he's old he will not depart from it and that directive from god came to parents. It didn't go to educational systems. It didn't go to teachers unions, mm -hmm. and it didn't come from the government. It was directed toward parents. So parent empowerment has to be at the basis of any school get, education. Yeah, I want to hit that because that's, you know, that's really the, the point here is that the, that some in some way or another, whether it's the quality of the education or the safety of the child or what, or what have you, right. the parent doesn't feel like, like the, the system was being responsive to their needs and Absolutely. they're looking for, for something else. And so you and your lovely daughters decide to create this take this big jump it sounds like into into you know trying to finance and create uh, a new school now tell us a little bit about how kind of how that started and kind of where you're at now how big is your school how does it how does it operate and how does it work we we actually had several uh, public school uh, teachers uh, in the church who came and we kind of formed a, a narrative as to what this should look like and how it would foundationally operate so that it would be the best academics possible mm -hmm. and we've done so we have kids that are graduating in software engineers we have kids that are graduating wow. with their degrees already we have a, a, a we work with the colleges so they're graduating as educators uh, school uh, mm -hmm. teachers uh, we have them uh, going into nursing so it's a it's a rounded way of being able to be able to 
uh, insulate them from the horrors of the experience that mm-hmm. many kids would get and, and the bullying and all those things, mm-hmm. and being able to get truly educated by people that care about their soul, their spirit, and their mind, and their academics being top well, this well, this sounds like a great school, and it's probably in very high demand. So, what are you charging? Like thirty, forty thousand dollars a year for your no, private school our, tuition? We, it's six hundred dollars a month <laughs> in our school. Now, wow. that doesn't meet the expenses. That's one of the things that you know mm-hmm. many times are, is the concern because that doesn't meet the expenses. And and the church, the ministry campus, we help underwrite uh, the facilities. There's no charge for all of those, mm-hmm. and so uh, it, it is a cost factor. But uh, the difference that I'm seeing that is made in this bill that is up right now for passage uh, or, or being prepared for mm-hmm. passage uh, thanks to the governor thanks to uh, the lieutenant governor thanks to senator creighton who's my personal senator mm, wow. uh, we are appreciative of the fact that they are pushing for this and there's just no way that we can let this go without passing the mm-hmm. legislation to power empower the parents and to let the kids have the kind of education that their parents and choose. this bill and again i'm the comms guy so i don't do a lot of math and policy uh here but but by my own you know uh, public school education math i think that would the eight thousand dollars in the esa would cover the cost the eight thousand would cover the cost of tuition mm-hmm. in our school it surely would um, now uh, are you ready i mean if there's a if there's a you know if if folks are all of a sudden you know have access to being able to control the money that you know that's used to, to educate their child now they're looking at your church or your school in order for a better opportunity. Are you able to handle that kind of influx? In, so there's in two demand? things that we're we're prepared to do. Number one, we can double our capacity immediately. We know that we can do that. Mm-hmm. Number two, we're ready to train other churches and pastors who haven't been able to do this type of, of a school or ministry. We're ready to train them. We're ready to have yeah. seminars, whatever it takes to educate them on how they can do this and to take away all the fears or the lack of knowledge that they have in those areas so that their kids can be number one in academics and and number one in their spiritual life so i was just going to hit those because these are the two you know you'll be ready for them because these are the two you know biggest talking points that that the opponents of school choice use here is that well your school must be unaccountable you have no academic accountability because <laughs> you don't take the start to, are you laughing already well the reason i'm laughing <laughs> you can hear the parents in your head already. Yeah, you know <laughs> the, the number one accountability factor that we have are the parents yeah you know parents uh pastors are used to that. If people don't don't agree with what's going on in <laughs> they church, they know. leave. You know, they they'll let you know. That's a good or they'll point. Leave. I didn't think about that. You're so that's that the, you know, parents are the ones who really rule. If they mm-hmm. don't like something that's being done or the way it's being talked, of course we talk. We engage with parents all the time. Mm-hmm. We're very actively involved with our parents, and we let them know what's going on, why we're headed a certain direction, sure. why we're teaching a certain thing, and they can go over all of that with us. That's something that they can have direct accountability yeah. immediately with us. But obviously, you're selling you're selling yourselves as you know high academic uh, um, uh, education quality um, academic quality but so are you comparing yourselves to other schools or is there other you know uh, national tests or, or academic uh, evaluations that you're looking at and, and that way you're at least for prospective parents you're saying hey look you know here's how we demonstrate that we actually are, are getting a really good education for our kids well we're determined to be the best that we can possibly be and so yes we compare ourselves with those schools other uh, other qualifies and when we see our students are doing in the 
parents tell us, believe me, yeah. they tell y'all are doing much better at educating our sure. kids than they were being educated before. So we have immediate feedback. But yes, we are very concerned because we deal with the college. You know, we have a a a, um, a program where uh, our students can, especially once they start getting high school age, they can start going to college right away. A lot of our students are graduating already with, at the same time that they're graduating high school. They're graduating with their associate's degrees or, or, or college yeah. under the belt, and that's an intentional thing that we're doing. So those those degrees that they're getting and then learning college, earning college credit and things like that while they're in uh, school definitely are at least, you know, for people who are wanting some sort of like quantifiable, you know, proof that the that these schools are, are, um, are you know, of a higher of a standard or higher, that's the kind of thing that, that they can look at as well. Um, all right. Well, we have a couple min- uh, minutes left. Just have one kind of question. Just um, uh, we're talking to, to Pastor Jerry Davis here out of Kingwood, uh, who's coming to town to to make his voice known to talk about his experience and talk to his legislators um you know what would this mean uh for your community i mean uh, you know in addition to the folks in in your church i'm sure you're aware of things obviously going on around your community as well and kind of the 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 quality of the schools and all of that would you see do you think you would see like a big sea change in terms of like the quality of education or how do you think this would uh really affect those areas anytime there's competition the quality rises. Mm-hmm. So regardless of what you're competing in, if it's business or if it's in politics or whatever, when you have competition, it gets better. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we'd immediately see is we have parents that come in our offices and sit down in tears every day telling us we ha- we want our kids to do better. They're not learning well enough in the schools that are that we're able to go to, mm-hmm. and we want to switch to your school. And they tell us why we can't afford it. And they're in tears. We're in tears because we want to do this job for them. We want to do what's best for the children mm-hmm. and the best thing is for the for the children and for our community is to be able to offer a choice and the, you know if the parents are happy with their public school and there's a lot of wonderful public schools mm-hmm. we we have a lot of wonderful public school teachers that we're connected to so there are good public schools and any parent that wants to choose those public schools to be the foundation of their children's education they they can do it and then if they want to choose by their own choice if they want to choose to either homeschool their child or put them in a private Christian institution or or a different institution that they prefer, that's their choice. Mm -hmm. This is America. Let them choose. And when they get to choose, that empowers the entire community. The community will do better. Every phase of the community, every every, uh, race, color, and creed, every economic level will will rise because we choose to do this. Very, very well said and a great note to end on with Pastor Jerry Davis. We really appreciate you being you, here. All right, and we'll be back just after this. I'm Sherry Sylvester, host of the Ninth in Congress podcast. I've been working at the nexus of politics and public policy my entire career. On Ninth in Congress, I'll be talking about my journey from the progressive left to the conservative right and my past two decades in the Texas Capitol with key policy and political players who have made our state a conservative model for the world. Subscribe now, wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to The Right Idea. Now I'm with Pastor Alexa Arcila, who is from the Houston area, and you have a church down there as well. You don't run a private school or you don't have a public school, but you do have kids in the public school system. And so you get to see firsthand kind of what they're experiencing. Could you talk to us a little bit about um, their experience and kind of what your, frankly, experience is with the public schools down there? Right. Well, um, I was, you know, talking about... um, 
my community, you know, the Hispanic community, we lack of opportunities, you know, we underserved community. So having the school choice pass will we will give us the opportunity to have good education, mm -hmm. you know, private education, Christian education. I'm a pastor. Mm -hmm. I go for Christian education. Mm -hmm. My kids were in a Christian education and I saw the difference, you know, between the material, the reading, the quality, the intensity. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I'm so blessed that I got the opportunity to get my kids into Christian school. Now they they are in in a public school, mm -hmm. but if you if you just give me the chance to choose, I will go for for private school. So yeah. what is you know if there's if there are, you know. I don't know. We we talked a lot about inappropriate materials in the school oh, yeah. libraries, things like that. But even just just the quality of the education. If you know, I mean, you've you've been through school. You have degrees. Like you know whether or not your child is receiving the level of education they should be getting. Um, you know, when you have um, concerns like that, legitimate concerns, mm -hmm. what happens when you engage with the with the school system? Well, one thing is going on right now in the Houston area, and is. Uh, how we, the Hispanic community, and being uninformed, I think, mm. because uh, they show us the picture that the libraries are going to be empty and they're going to use the libraries as uh, detention centers. <laughs> so my community is very concerned about because sure. when they show up back in the school, they say, oh, we have no books right now in the library. So now it's a detention center. So where are the books? And mm -hmm. we said, uh, the books are coming back, but why they took out the books? Because the material, you say, indoctrination. Mm. I'm a pastor. Yeah, I want my kids to know the truth about God, the design God, how God created them mm -hmm. to be. Know how some people are trying to convince them that they can choose if they're boy or girl. Mm -hmm. So as a pastor, as a leader in the community, for me, it's so important that they they need to grow. They made, you know, the decision mm -hmm. probably in the future. I pray God mm -hmm. they understand that they were created men or, or girls. Sure. Uh, but having a seven-year-old boy reading a book or watching a book with graphic material mm -hmm. about kissing a, a other kid, you mm -hmm. know, the same sex, yeah. it's, it's just indoctrination. They... They they doing it, and it's one thing to say, look, those those types of um, uh, that type of subject matter and material is what we do at home. It's what we talk about at home. It's the values that I want to get them at right. home. What I don't want is something at the school which is contradicting that. Right. Just get it out, like whatever you know. I just don't want that to be the place where they're having you know that discussion yeah. with a, with another adult without my consent, right. much less my knowledge. Right? right? You know, I want I want academics in those areas. I want reading, writing, and especially at seven years old yeah you know it's 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 pretty remarkable that 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 has you know taken place there um and so you know a lot of people would look at that and say well if you don't like the public schools you know then just take them to the private school you know do whatever how would that work in your community i mean there folks <laughs> well, there who just turn around and start cutting a check I'll for say, private schools i'll take them <laughs> you know <laughs> the thing is about money Mm. But with this school choice, we're going to get the resources we need to take them into private school. Mm -hmm. I'm advocating for Christian education. Mm -hmm. I want my kids to have in the school the same values I have in the house, at home, mm -hmm. and in church. Um, but so, there's not a lot of people in your community that could just turn around and start paying for Right. We underserve community. We have a low-income families. The Hispanics mm -hmm. are one of the biggest community to be benefit from this. Yeah. You know, 
if you see how many Hispanics are part of the private education or Christian education, it's not many. Mm-hmm. It's few because, you know, one normal Hispanic mom, we have a lot of single moms, first mm-hmm. of all. Secondly, we have a very hardworking people. Mm-hmm. We have two jobs, three jobs to pay for just the rent and the bills. Mm-hmm. So it's impossible for a Hispanic mom, single mom, to pay for a private school. Right. So now we have some money. I mean, if these and they can't obviously, you know, if without money to move go to private school, they no. they obviously can't move to like the other areas right. of town and right. uproot their entire life and and go move into a much bigger house somewhere right. in a different neighborhood. So would you say because this is again one of the big criticisms that oh we have school choice in Texas you can you know you can move to another neighborhood or a better school or you can send wow. your kid you know or homeschool like how does somebody with three jobs oh, no. they, we cannot be homeschool that's why you don't have many Hispanics doing home school Mm -hmm. we can i mean my community we need to work we construction people we in the kitchen we serving the tables Mm -hmm. my community is the most hard-working community you can ever see in the united states Mm -hmm. we make in this nation i know our kids are the future of this nation and we need good education we need opportunities so this is going to give a lot of opportunities to us yeah and um, and real choice, yeah. right? You don't like the, the people in your community. You're saying that you don't have the, these choices: the homeschool and the no. private education. So, so then the the other big question is, you know, the the current bill that's that that you're up there talking about um, uh, to members uh, has a eight thousand dollar price tag that that it would give eight up to eight thousand dollars to each family to take them to to private school. A lot of people are saying that's not enough money. Would you? I mean, is that? Do you think that's <laughs> enough to cover some private well, education? It's like say I have eight thousand and I have nothing. I take the eight thousand. <laughs> so it's a blessing anyway. And, and and of course with ESAs, I mean this is one of the biggest points between a voucher is what they're calling it versus an ESAs. You can use it for other things like transportation, right. you know, a specialized and books, I think, right? Specialized tutoring too and, and books. So if your if your child has a particular issue that they need um know some work on, with the, whether it's reading or what have you, um you can use it for specialized tutoring as well um so how would this uh, you know i mean you're you're a you're a leader in the community i mean you mm-hmm. talk to folks you know uh, i'm not sure how big the church is but you talk to lots of folks every week about kind of how they're doing and guiding them yeah. on the path how would this you know how would this change your community i mean this uh, to, big time for hispanic i think <laughs> and i wish i could just say something in spanish at the end Absolutely, because yeah. you know mm-hmm. maybe we can get some spanish audience and yeah i will say um I'm just praying for this to pass because I want my kids to go back to Christian education. And it's not just for me. I'm pastoring. Mm-hmm. I have many single moms. I know them. They mm-hmm. in my heart. These kids, I mark kids, you mm-hmm. know, my spiritual kids. I want the best future, the best opportunity for them. I can't afford, you know, if I could it, I have the money, I'll pay for them. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's why I say I'm gonna go for education. Because Right there is the future, and we need to support these new kids because they're here. They're mm-hmm. citizens. They're Americans. They need to know. They they need to know the system. They need to know that America was founded with Christian values. Mm-hmm. You sound in the passion enough to start your own school. Would you? Yes. Would you potentially do that at some point? Yeah, I'm praying to God that give me the <laughs> opportunity to get some because it's not just about. I mean, education is key. Mm-hmm. We want to transform this nation. Let's get some education to people and to the Hispanic community. We need we need everything. We need opportunities. We need access. We need resources. Mm-hmm. And um, 
we kind of growing, you know. We well, kind of fifty percent right now in Houston. We've got some. Uh, we've got some folks milling around this area around the capital who are who are small churches that have that have schools and things like that. Maybe you know we network a little bit and get things going and see see how you might uh, do that. But if you want to, I, I think this would be a great opportunity if you either to me or to the camera or we, if you'd like to to send a special message to to your community. Oh, yeah. By all means, go right ahead. Okay. Hola a todos, les habla Pastora Alexa Arcila de la ciudad de Houston. Eh, es una gran oportunidad, les pido oración por el School Choice que eh, nos va a dar la oportunidad de elegir la educación que queremos para nuestros hijos. Conozco muchas mujeres solteras, conozco muchos padres que escasamente pagan la renta y les digo, es una oportunidad para darle una mejor educación a nuestros hijos, oren, participen, entérense, necesitamos conocimiento, necesitamos entender que es una oportunidad que Dios está enviando para darle la mejor educación posible a nuestros hijos. Eh, les hablo a ustedes, la comunidad hispana, y les digo, no se dejen manipular, lean, averigüen, investiguen, hablen con sus pastores, pregúntenles, porque necesitamos activarnos en esta sociedad y darle a nuestros hijos las oportunidades que tal vez nosotros no pudimos. Así es que los invito, oren, apóyense, activémonos como comunidad y les bendigo a todos. Thank you. <laughs> Pastor Alexa, I couldn't have said it better myself, so mm. thank you so much. Thank, uh, you. thank you so much for being here and we'll be right back. Welcome back. So that'll do it for the special edition of The Right Idea. I want to thank not just the public policymakers and the, and the leaders over at the Capitol who are working diligently and working hard to make this a, a reality for, for 5 million school kids across the, the, uh, the state, but also for the folks that, that aren't policymakers and the real leaders in their community who are taking their time uh, and sacrificing a lot to be up here uh, to make the case and to meet with their members uh, to talk about this legislation and the real positives and the real benefits uh, that, that would happen if we pass school choice legislation in Texas. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time.